0: Good morning! Welcome to Trainwreck Marriage. I'm Dave Touchton.
1: And I'm Susan Touchton.
0: Hey, we took uh, two weeks off and uh, it's been kind of chaotic in our world. <laughs> uh, we've moved, we've uh, got into the new place, um, and uh, we still have all of our stuff for, let's go 95% of it, out in the garage because we're remodeling the house. Um, and we have three three rooms done, we have eight or 10 not done. Um, But it's, it's a work in progress. And it kind of reminds me of of just uh, who we are in Christ. Um, Because it it is a work in progress. And I think of, you know, uh, when you surrender your life to God, he wants every room of the house. And, uh, some are completely under construction. Some are completely destroyed and some are full of crap. Um, kind of like our garage that we really don't want everybody to see. That's why we don't leave the garage doors open all day long. Um, but it really is, uh, you know, there's a lot of parallels with where we're at in this house move and also where, um, our lives are at and I think everybody's life is is similar and uh if you don't believe me dig around in your life a little bit you'll probably find those places under construction some are done more than others some rooms are good um we moved into two of them no problem um but I think it also it, it's a real reflection of who we are in Christ and and um how our life is a work in progress, not a destination.
1: Well, and I think, you know, about, yes, we're in two rooms, but those two rooms are holding, you know, we don't have a dresser in there yet, and so the clothes are on the floor, and um, just kind of chaos is the word that's come into mind this morning. Not in the sense necessarily of, um, you know, Scatterbrain kind of thing, just a lot of um, things out of place, a lot of dysfunction, and it, it it is very comparable to your Christian walk as far as um, there's some things that you have, you know, in a good place, um, and then there's others that's just chaotic and messy. And, you know, during this move and this construction, ideally we would be able to take off a month or so and get everything done on the house, but we don't have that luxury. And so we, you know, still have to get up and go to work and still have to try to um, do life as well as live in a construction zone and um, chaos. And so um, it's just... It's a great reflection on on our walk because, you know, there's a lot of times that God um, has everything's at a peace and a calm, um, but there's still turmoil and, and stuff going on kind of in the background. It's just, I guess, what you choose to focus on. Um, even though we're living in a construction zone and we're living in chaos, um, we still go through our days. We still make our commitments. We still... Do what we need to do. And, you know, I think that's just a good example of our walk with Christ, even though things may not be going our way and things may be a little obscure. Um, our walk continues to be um, one of just, w- we still have a relationship with Him. We still get in His Word um, because ultimately the, His relationship or our relationship with Him needs to come first because He makes the chaos seem not so big.
0: Well, and I think, um, you know, we've got our master bedroom tour apart. I mean, big time tour apart. Um, you know, when I, I think of what causes stress because, you know, as soon as we put a door on there, we'll be able to shut the door and not pay attention to it and kind of ignore it for lack of a better word, knowing it's still there. Um, but what causes stress in a marriage because, you know, just because we put a door on there, Susan's going to paint it all white, it'll match everything else. When you walk down the hallway, it looks like it's just another room and, but we know what's behind it. So, um, we were having a conversation this weekend of, of what's causing things to happen. And, and I think this is just in general good of realizing that other things of aff- excuse me affect your day to day and sometimes that room with a closed door that's in complete disarray is a spot you don't want to get near because it, it whether it's depressing whether it upsets you whether it's you know identifying the real root of the issue that's inside of you And uh, it doesn't matter if you're angry, doesn't matter if you're sinning, it doesn't matter what it is, honestly. But what is the core of the issue? Because what I've found is, you know, we treat a lot of the symptoms of, you know, well, they're doing this. I, I mean, I think of you know, some of the addicts I've talked to that whether it's drug or alcohol or no matter what it was, they were trying to escape from reality, which means their house was disorganized. And so to numb themselves of that room that's in there, that they didn't want anyone to know, and they, they, they really can't deal with that room. And so they cover it up with drugs or alcohol or gaming or watching TV or, you know, there's a whole list, Uh, overeating. Um, But like we were talking this weekend, how do you get to the source of the problem and give that to God? Surrender the actual issue, um, which in our house is currently the master bedrooms in the worst disarray. With sheetrock off the walls, walls removed, all kinds of things, um, but that causes stress and causes the way we react. So, what what is that root cause for you? And some of them are not; they're not going to be real obvious because you know the surface issue that is going on tends to take our focus of this is happening and I'm upset or I'm whatever about this one issue. But the more you drill down, that's usually just the equal sign, and here's the result. What's the core? And and right now, um, you know, our master bedroom's a good example. Grant, the rest of the house is not great, but it's not near as bad as the master.
1: Well, and thinking about some of the conversation we had this weekend, we got to spend eight hours in the car together coming back from Texas, but. Um, you know, the things that we tell ourselves, um, you know, and and seeing yourself the way that God sees you, and that's really kind of difficult for me because um, I don't feel worthy, I don't feel like um, I'm good enough or all these things that my mind tells me. And then when somebody treats me the way that, you know, I don't feel like, that hurts my feelings or makes me feel bad or whatever. It just reiterates the things that I say about myself um, instead of really paying attention to what God says about me and not, you know, my question to myself was what, can I be more focused on what God says about me than what others say about me? Generally what happens is when others um, say something or puts me down or makes me feel a certain way, then that's what I choose to believe because it's louder than what the still small voice of God is. Instead of, um, believing the truth that I'm a child of his, that, um, you know, we're all children of the King. So how do we live our lives, as children of the King versus what either others say about us or what we tell us, tell ourselves about ourselves.
0: Well, and I, you know, a good friend of mine says regularly, um, I get up every morning and I brush the hair of my enemy. Really think that through because right now your head is your biggest enemy. Because not only do you have the past of what's happened to you, you also have what's currently going on. And, you know, when you're only dealing in your head, it's a problem. Logically trying to figure it out. You know, what, what are my thoughts? How do I get there? Logically, it works this way. So on and so forth. And the, the real problem is an 18-inch problem. It's a disconnect between your heart and your head. Because, I mean, scripturally, if you look up, um, you know, God created mankind in his own image. You know, um, for he chose us, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in the sight, in his sight, in love. You know, sometimes we, we beat ourselves up because we're not perfect Christians. Um, And I I struggle with that conversation because it it's about what we can do and not about what God can do. It's not one of those things where I surrender it to God. It's I need to control it because I can control it. And I, I think, you know, people, our own heads are our worst enemy because if we've seen ourselves the way God sees us, we'd have a completely different view. There would be times we would be disappointed in what we chose. Um, But there's a lot of times that we'd say, my gosh, you're doing great. And in my mind, I never say that. In fact, I always say, yeah, I could do better. I could do this. I could do that. And, um, you know, or I'm stupid. I shouldn't have done that. Because really, this comes down to true worth. Where, where do you put your true worth? In the world? Or do you put it in God? Um, because God, you know, one thing... Um, I'm trying to find a quote. There you go. I looked up the definition of true worth. Your worth is how much you value yourself. Let's see. I think it says die on your cross daily. Become dead to yourself. And And you know... That's one of the issues I get into is um, a lot of the conversation of sin and they're doing this and they're doing that and they need to stop. I don't find biblically where God says, clean up your crap and then come to me. Stop all your sinning and then come to me because if we could stop it, then why would we need God? I think that's that's one of those things that um, it's about surrendering to God because um, surrender creates change because that means you're no longer in control. So when when you're talking about, say, you know, money. We ain't got no money. Everything's bad. Have you surrendered that to God? Or are you controlling it? When you look at our relationship, our relationship's bad. It's bad. In my mind, you know, there was times that There's no way we're going to stay married. When we were in the throes of it, it's like, this is a waste of time. There's no way we can recover. And you know, that statement's a very true statement because without God, we can't recover. Our marriage can't come back. So I think, you know, when you start talking about um, different things you're doing Or, you know, the goal of being a perfect Christian. I I understand that we need to not sin or not do that. But the other thing to this that that I think gets missed is we got to get God involved to help us to stop. Because if we could do it, then we wouldn't need God.
1: Well, and I think, too, you know, that's the thing is a friend of ours, you know, says he's going to quit cussing. Um, because it's wrong and you shouldn't do it, which that's a great goal to have, and that's wonderful that he has that conviction. But I asked him, so how is he going to do it? Because you can't do it in and of yourself. He can't just flip a switch and say, okay, I'm done cussing, or I'm done drinking, or I'm done smoking, or I'm done overeating, or I'm done... It's not something that we can do on our own, And that's why we need God. That's why it has to be a surrender, you know, surrender this particular whatever it may be. And it may be several things, you know, we've got to surrender it to God. And trust me, it's not easy because when you're in the middle of it, um, you know, I generally don't think, oh, I need to turn this over to God because this is my struggle without slowing down and really saying, you know, I want to do this bad habit. I want to overeat or I want to do whatever the case may be instead of really stopping and saying, okay, God, I'm not really hungry but I that's my go-to of I'm stressed, I'm anxious, I'm tired, I'm depressed, I'm whatever so I'm going to go get ice cream or chocolate or whatever um, instead of going to God first because I want that immediate relief. I want that immediate fix when sometimes God lingers and doesn't fix it right away. Um, But it's the act of, and the more you surrender, the easier it becomes and the more frequent it can become because then it becomes a habit.
0: Well, and I think just because God doesn't take it that moment, you can try not to do it. But at the end, it's about surrendering it back to him. It's not about you trying to stop it because you can't stop it. Um, you're fighting against Satan who's trying to keep you wound up and so you need the Holy Spirit to help guide you I am NOT saying people are can not convicted to stop doing things that is not my point in this conversation but my point in this conversation is in your head when you feel like the rules are being broken and you need to be better then it's one of those things that you will lose because that is not the way we're built to fight Satan. We're built to fight Satan with God, the armor of God. So if God's not involved and, and you know, I had a deal um, that I've, I've dealt with on and off for decades, lust here and there, and I just gave it to God. And I'm here to tell you, it didn't go away. It was three months later, and I gave it to him. I still did it sometimes, but I gave it to him. And then we went to service, which was not normal for us, and God grabbed me and took it. Well, we think sometimes that, you know, well, just because he hadn't taken it right now, you know, I need to fix it. I got bad news. You can't. You can fix it for a day. Maybe two, but it's about what your heart is. Where, What is your heart in this situation to be a better Christian? He doesn't want better Christians. He wants surrendered Christians. Big difference. Good Christians go to church and say, look how good I am, or oh, they got it all together. Um, don't remember the scripture. It was a rich man coming to Jesus that said, good teacher. And even Jesus said, no one's good. Only God's good. So I think it's one of those things that, that we get hung up in this being a good Christian. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, and I am not great at it, but if we can figure out how to stay surrendered and when. The problems happen and I don't care if you have control issues, I don't care if you're worried all the time, I don't care if you're negative all the time, I don't care if you drink all the time, I don't care what it is. At the end of the day, if you're not surrendering it to God, then you've lost. Now you're just fighting in your head. So I think it's one of those things that again, it's an 18 inch problem. It's a problem between your heart and your head. We're a whole lot more hard on ourselves, probably than God ever has been. And that's part of Satan's trick to keep us wound up and focused on us and how bad it is and how this or that or whatever the situation. I just, um, you know, it's it's one of those things that when you really start focusing on most of our problems that we have as a couple, as individuals, as a family, most of them, if not all of them, are because we're not involving God in the conversation. We're not surrendering that situation to him. Um, We're wanting to control it because we know a better way or a better outcome, or surely God would not give me more than I can handle don't know that you'll find that biblically, but good luck, because when he gives you more than you can handle, and you're stressed out, overloaded, you're, you're out of control, you don't know what to do, what do you do? You go running back to him. So it, it's one of those things that I think sometimes in our marriages, um, we, we get frustrated with more our house individually not being right and it comes out on our spouse because we're upset by the way we are not really by the way they are yeah we'd like them perfect which susan's lucky because i'm almost perfect (laughs) and she gives me that smile of you're an idiot um but i mean seriously it's one of those things i i think surrendering to god and letting god guide you on this stuff um is really where it is um and praying for your spouse that god's will happens and cut them some grace because the lord knows i've needed grace over the years and i still need grace because i'm not perfect i am flawed in every way but god's working on me and changing me
1: well and i, I guess that's the whole point is we're all a work in progress. And so if you think that you're going to have it all figured out or that your spouse is going to have it all figured out or that you're going to be perfect or your spouse should be perfect, um, it's all a work in progress and God didn't call us to be perfect. He called us to be holy like he is holy Um, and just, and we can't do that on our own. And again, it goes back to the surrendering and it's a difficult thing to remember to, to surrender whatever's going on at the moment. And so, um, you know, I guess I would just encourage you today and speaking to myself as well, that, um, the things that are holding you back or the things that are making you depressed or frustrated or whatever, just give it to God because he's the only one that can, you know, take it. I, there's as perfect as David thinks he is. (laughs) um, You know, there's a lot of things that hurt my feelings that frustrate me. um, But I can't ask God to change him. I've got to ask God to change me and how I handle it and know that God loves me more than David does. And David's just a human being and he's going to, talk to me in ways that I don't, you know, like, or in, we're going to have conflict. We're going to have difficulties. We're going to have struggles. Um, and just knowing that if I place it in God's hands, he can direct it. He can take care of it. He can handle it. It's not my responsibility.
0: Well, and I think you bring up a great point. We can't change our spouse, right? But God can change anyone so that's a real question what are you praying for your spouse what that they change because that's a wasted prayer because odds are it's something inside of you that needs to change as well not saying your spouse is perfect and got it all going on and doesn't need god's help and doesn't need god to be involved but what i'm saying is you can't change your spouse and At what point do you realize they're a gift from God? You know, I I think of Joyce Myers years ago. I was listening to her during a period and she said, if you're that unhappy with your spouse, leave them. Because I guarantee you there's somebody else that would love to have them. And I think sometimes we get so focused on what's wrong with each other and how they don't meet our needs and how they're not the person that we want that we kind of lose sight of the blessing of the person you know when i and i'm horrible at this so i'm preaching to myself not really you guys at this time but realistically i mean uh susan does a huge amount she's she's painting every night Plus, we're trying to keep laundry up. She does really a phenomenal job. When you really step back and look at everything, does she have flaws? Absolutely, because we all are flawed and broken. But what would I do without her? Let's have that conversation. What if she wasn't in my life? You know, sometimes it's so easy. We we have a kid we work with that... uh, No matter how good it gets, there's always problems. It's never enough. And I think we do that in our marriages sometimes. They're they're better than they were, but they're not as good as dot, dot, dot. Whether it's someone on Facebook with a perfect world or someone, it doesn't really matter. I I mean, I think sometimes we, we don't realize how far God's taken us at the time. And because it's just common, it happens every day. So we assume that this is the new normal, so how do we make it better or we expect it to get better? And I think that's that's where we kind of get into a struggle in our mind and we're not looking at them from our heart perspective of what God's really given us and how blessed we truly are I mean, we've been married coming up on, we're 27 and a half years. We're coming up on 28 years of marriage. How many people in this world can say that at our age? I, I was talking to a guy that was, he's on his fourth marriage or fifth marriage or just divorced his fourth one. And, and you know, when you really look at it, what a blessing to be together this long. Hadn't always been easy. Sometimes it been horrible on both sides. But what has God got playing for us? And so I, I really, it's one of those things to where I think we can get so focused on how much better we'd like our spouse to be and lose sight of how far God's brought them and how much better they truly are. And I think, I can see it from both sides in our relationship because it's one of those things that God has really blessed us greatly Um, when you really just step back. Sometimes you run through the trees so fast and you're hitting a couple of them, you can't see the forest you're running in and how big and how blessed you truly are.
1: Well, and I'm, I'm reading a book called Sacred Marriage, and he points out that, you know, the easy thing to do is to give up on your marriage and to get out and get divorced, whatever. Um, but what happens is you don't know the end story. You don't know what God has planned. You don't know what he's using, whether you're going through trials or difficulties or whatever. You don't know what that's leading up to because we can't see the end picture but he does and so by ending that god already knows that that's going to be the outcome and like he knows everything but you're messing with a plan that he's already got set in place um and you don't know you know again what the end picture is and i think that we sometimes get caught up in wanting to control our own. It's got to be better if we get divorced or it's gonna. It's not, there's going to the same problems that you have in this marriage or you're going to, you're going to take into the next marriage because it's not all one spouse or the other. Um, you've got to own your part. And you know, I had a sister that was married several times and at some point in time you have to look at, okay, what's the common denominator here? Maybe there's some changes that you need to make in order to make a successful marriage.
0: Well, and I think anytime you get mad in a marriage, anytime something makes you mad that your spouse done, I think the the real question is to ask God to show you why you're mad. Because when you, it's something inside of you as well, yes, granted, they may be idiots sometimes, because I am regularly and I understand that, where, I do stupid stuff, but you know, I also know that when I'm really, me and God are, I'm focused on surrendering to God, a lot of the issues aren't near as big as what they are without God. So I I think that it really comes back to when you're mad at your spouse, things aren't going well, you're aggravated, they're pissing you off. The question that needs to be asked and the prayer that needs to be said is, God, why is this aggravating me so much? What, what, what is going inside of me? Because God did not build us to be this way. God built us to really love each other, see each other in a different light, and see each other through God's eyes. Because if you're not seeing your spouse through God's w- eyes, I got bad news. They're broken, flawed, and they're miserable people. Because we all are. Some days we're better off at covering it up than we we have been. Other days we're horrible. It just That's the thing is, I, I guess I want to bring it back to, as we wrap this up, what makes you angry about your spouse? And what is God trying to show you about who you are? not necessarily who they are because we assume that if we're mad it's their fault and sometimes it is but sometimes it's us and i think we've got to be cautious and give each other grace when we are mad and really uh, analyze and take it to god and say god show me if something in me needs to change If it's me, that's not seeing through the right lens, because honestly, that's the only person we can change is ourselves, And God's the only person that can change your spouse. So we're out of time as usual. Um, Just went fast. It's been great. Uh, We'd appreciate if you'd share this and uh, let other people know that this is out here. Because the thing is, we know God's having us do this for a reason And it's just not to kill 30 minutes once a week. So, hey, we love you all. We hope you have a great week.